Welcome to the Gather Houston podcast. We are a Christian community practicing the way of Jesus in all parts of life and for the good of all people. Thank you for joining us today. Uh, so even I know uh, you're at home or you're at least not right in front of me today. You're on a screen, but, but finish this proverb for me. Maybe even say it out loud. Give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day. Teach a man to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. And this proverb, this concept, it's a pretty compelling idea. I think it's especially compelling for our kind of Western capitalistic, individualistic, pull yourself up by your own bootstraps culture. And this idea feels good to us because it assumes that the only barrier to a more just society is the offering of a small opportunity. But when we try to do that work of teaching a man to fish, we often ignore the reason why they need to be taught in the first place. We ignore the ideas about unequal distribution and lack of access, education, places to cook the fish, and so on and so on and so on. It's been said that that proverb should more rightly read, give someone a fish and they'll have the energy to take care of their kids, do well at work and pursue their goals. Teach them to fish and give, and give them access to a pond full of fish and they'll be able to feed themselves and their family for life. It's mercy and it's justice. It's meeting a need and it's solving the underlying issues that were creating that need. It's giving a fish and providing access and solving the systemic inequities in the fishing world. We live in an unjust world with inequitable societies and oppressive systems. When Jesus says in Mark chapter 12, love your neighbor as yourself, he surely means that that love is more than just meeting a basic need. But he also definitely doesn't mean less than that. So as we are are in this conversation about becoming a community of peacemakers, about stepping into our world as peacemakers, embracing this identity, I think it's important to pause and reflect on what it means to integrate mercy and justice and what it looks like to meet the needs that are in front of us and go and try to work towards a more just society that creates less needs. Desmond Tutu says it like this, there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. Justice and mercy. So uh, today we're going to do something a little different. I wanted you to hear from some other voices on this because uh, though it is important to me, I offer just a tiny little perspective based on my own context. And so uh, today you're going to hear from William Barber and Kelly Brown Douglas. And these are two amazing uh, black pastors and uh, activists and thinkers and teachers. And uh, they offer a really unique perspective and some really helpful perspectives. framework for thinking about justice. And so I'm really excited that you get to hear from them. So you're going to hear from William Barber and Kelly Brown Douglas, uh, and then I'll come back and wrap us up. That to be Holy Spirit led is not just to have an internal personal feeling, 
but it is, it is to be produced and shaped to be a prophet for the time. Not just individually, but as the church. So the church cannot turn its eye away from injustice. Jesus never did. Whatever he saw and met on the road, whether it was Caesar, whether it was someone crippled, whether it was someone blind, whether it was someone that met, uh, uh, needed food, he dealt with it. And his first sermon, not, not his second, third, fourth sermon, his first sermon of all the places he could have chosen, who did he reach back to? Isaiah. Isaiah 58, 60, 61. He reached back to the prophets that were challenging the kingdoms and the structures of injustice and the hurting of those on the margin. He says, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. And it was a deeply political sermon, not political in the sense of Democrat versus Republican, but That's right. deeply spiritual, deeply political. I don't know of any way to talk about being Christian and not be concerned about injustice. And I think that you, it's just no way to be somehow Christian in a bubble. You know, the Bible says that, that in Hebrews that there is a cloud of witnesses cheering us on to remain, remain faithful. And so it hurts, but when it hurts, you look up and you remember that we have been, the, the baton has been passed. And so each generation has to say, not on our watch. You know, the Bible says that one of the one of the standout things about Pentecost is not just the tongues of fire and the fresh wind and the and, and the new languages, but the strategic plan. And they continued. And they continued. And what we part of what we are as Christians, I believe, is to continue and to push forward. To continue the, the doctrines, the truths, the victories that we've already pushed forward in. And, and I've already come to and to push forward. So we stand on the shoulders of the Rosa Parks and the Martin Kings and the hundreds of other unnamed people who by faith, not by politics, but by faith, engage God's politics of justice and mercy and love. Mm. And we are the continuation. And we can, we, and, and, to, and to not continue to press forward with hope and love and justice and mercy is not only to abdicate our calling as Christian, but is to dishonor those who came before us. Mm. You know, I went through a piece some time ago in my spiritual formation called Last Words, and we practice last words. Um, and I hope that uh, when my day comes, if, if others are around, uh, that I can say, it is well. So him, so it is well. Uh, and, 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 and know that it is well, not because I've done everything perfectly, but because there has been an attempt by way of the empowerment of the Spirit, because of my love for Jesus Christ, uh, to care for the poor, to care for the brokenhearted, to help those who have been captive, and to declare the acceptable year of the Lord. Um, more importantly, I hope not so much what I'm able to say, uh, but because of my conservative religion, a, a, a focus on my faith, I, I hope that the Lord himself will speak on my behalf. And those who are remain, uh, remain here uh, will be able to speak in terms, not, no need for them to get up and declare how perfect I was, but hopefully they will at least be able to say that I tried to be a part of the community that kept believing in faith that kept believing in love, kept believing in mercy, kept believing in justice, and uh, that we held, held true to the gospel plot. I always say that, you know, that 
all of us, each and every person that lives and breathes and has breath, that walks the face of the earth or has ever walked the face of this earth is a child of God regardless. And that that's a fact that we're a child of God. Now, here's what's not a fact that we act like it. So to be a child of God is at once a fact and it is also at once a challenge. And so we are compelled that a part of our human journey is to grow into what it means to be the very child of God that we are. And, and, and so, and that's, that's, that's our journey. And if one wants to talk about sin, sin is about being separated uh, and alienated from this force that is God, the love that is God. Where do we see? Yes. You know, I believe that God is fully active in our world and one would ask, where, where do you see God? Where's God active? You know, and God is active in those places where people are moving toward freedom, moving toward justice, moving toward life, calling out for life, crying out for life and trying, trying to make the world a little bit move it a little bit closer <laughs> a little bit. to way to where it's supposed to be. And I mean, I know that that sounds esoteric, but you know, you start with, to me, sort of the basic uh, fundamental. So what does that mean? And we all, every major religion, and I don't know all of them, so we'll say uh, maybe there's an exception, but we know one thing that most major religions have at the core of their religion some version of what we call the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. And, and I like to suggest that the more radical challenge of the golden rule is not to withhold from another that which you would not want withheld from yourself. Do you want food? Don't withhold it from another. Do you want respect? Don't withhold it from another. What does that soil grow? Right, and what that soil grows is a better world. What that soil grows because, you see, it seems to me that we are called into loving relationships. And those loving relationships are all about honoring the sacredness of another human being, even as you honor your own sacredness. And the sacredness of a human being is simply the reflection that we are all children of God. Uh, there's this um, uh, there's this saying that, you know, uh, uh, Jesus says in the Bible, uh, one of the parables ends by saying, parable in Luke, it ends by saying, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And in my mind, that is not an indication of a reversal of fortunes, that where the, those that were oppressors will now be oppressed and the, uh, and the oppressed will be oppressors or the subjugated will now uh, be those who subjugate. No, what we mean by the first will be last and the last will be first is that there will be no first, there will be no last because you will not be able to differentiate because we will all be treated the same and seen the same in, in, in God's sight and in the world. And so that's the kind of world that's hippie talk. That doesn't sound sustainable. I thought yeah. you need leverage and you need a winner. That's, that's what There's you call a winner. Come on. But that's not, you know, we're all winners if we all act out of uh, uh, a model of justice and love. And so that's what, uh, you know, the work to me is all about. That's what sustains the work uh, that I do because when we talk about. We, what sustains the work? Uh, this the notion of, of uh, God's love that manifests itself in realities of justice and so and what's that? 
Well, that's, that's a reality that we just talked about, where the first will be last and the last will be first because we're all treated where we, no one in this world withholds from another person in this world that which we wouldn't withheld from themselves. And the fact that we are uh, different culturally, racially, ethnically, and all of that is a reflection our very created diversity gives a reflection of the fullness of God into whose image everybody is created, right? And so we violate that. We, things like white supremacy, it violates that. It's, it's a violation of who, it's a betrayal of God. What sounds heady, trance is not. It, it, it's what compels us to treat one another differently and it compels us to always act out against those policies, those systems, those structures, those ideologies that are racist, supremacist, bigoted, uh, uh, xenophobic, because all of those things, what they really do is suggest, we can talk about racism and all of this up here, but what they're really indicating is that there are certain people that are unacceptable. And in God's eyes, there's nobody, nobody that's unacceptable. I am grateful for those voices and those ideas. And uh, I, I think for the most part, uh, we all like the idea of those ideas about justice and love and mercy. Um, but I think we all have a couple steps we probably need to take to start doing that work. Um, I think first, uh, and this may be like ground zero, this is like the foundational work, maybe you're already doing this, but I think very first, the first thing we have to do is we have to start practicing this merciful justice with ourselves. And so what, what I mean by that is, is that um, I, I think we're okay at offering mercy to ourselves, right, to meeting our own basic needs. I think we're okay at it. I think we're okay at those ideas about self-care. Right? I think self-care is the work of mercy in our own lives. That when we need rest, maybe we take rest. That we avoid those places of high anxiety. That we pause when we need to. That we check out sometimes totally. Right? All those acts of mercy are acts of real survival for us. We need to do them. They're basic needs. When we disassociate and check out, it's because we need to do it. When we rest, it's because we need to do it. I, I think those acts of self-care are merciful, and I think we're okay at them. But at some point, we need to go upstream in our lives, and we need to start asking why we're so tired, and why we need to disassociate so much, and why we self-medicate to survive. Right, well, we, we can have those uh, treat-yourself kind of days, but at some point, we might also need to seek treatment for ourselves. Like we, we might need a therapist or a spiritual director to walk with us in this work of going upstream and practicing justice with ourselves. I, I think that is the very baseline of this. Have we gone upstream in our own lives to start asking why we're doing these things, why we need these acts of mercy for ourselves, right? This work of justice, of making things right starts with ourselves. So I think that's kind of the first foundational work that we need to do. Start with ourselves. And then second, I think we'll probably have to start to sacrifice our commitment to an undying individuality. Right? And I know the ideas of, of personal responsibility 
and, uh, and, and self-sufficiency run very deep in our world. I, I, I am aware. But the call of God for the people of God is not to be increasingly self-sufficient. The call of God for the people of God is not to be increasingly self-sufficient. It's not to teach more and more personal responsibility. In 1 Corinthians 12, the apostle Paul says that the church, the people of God everywhere, that we are like a body. And in verse 24, 1 Corinthians 12, Paul says, So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all the members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. <clears throat> this isn't self-sufficiency. It isn't individuality, and it's not a, a doctrine of personal responsibility. The call here is interdependence with the people of God. That if one part suffers, we all suffer. If one part is honored, we are glad. And that those who appear to have less dignity receive more honor. And in that way, everyone is in harmony. It's interdependence with the people of God, not self-sufficiency, not personal responsibility. Right? If we want justice and mercy, if we want to meet needs and create more equitable systems, the very first thing we're going to have to do is lay down this mindset that everyone is 100% responsible for all their own stuff. And the only way we got where we are is by taking care of all our own stuff. That is just not true. We need one another. We need to believe and live out that golden rule of the gospel that says do unto others as you would have them do unto you. Or as the great Kelly Brown Douglas says, do not withhold from someone else that which you wouldn't want withheld from you. Do you want a place to call home? Do you want a safe place? A place to feel welcome? If you want that, don't withhold it from another. Instead of working to withhold, we need to start working to create a world where everyone is able to enjoy that which we desire for ourselves. Gather, you are your brother's keeper. You are your sister's caretaker. The God of the universe has intertwined your very being with those around you and has given special honor to those with less dignity. You are called to interdependence, not self-sufficiency. You are made for mercy and you are made by and for divine justice. So gather, this is my prayer for us today. Know and believe the work of God in your own life. God is withholding no good thing from you. You are the recipient of the justice and the mercy of God. So instead of wielding that power and privilege, give it away. Withhold no good thing from the world around you. There is enough love for everyone. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you're interested in Gather, check out our website at gatherhouston.org or visit us on Sunday at 10 a.m.